Welcome to the Fire and Trainers Podcast, part of ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about firearm training in Massachusetts. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the Range Tech Shot Timer. A shot timer is a critical tool to measure performance, and no credible fire instructor hosts a class without one. Range Tech Timer is both the most affordable and most feature-rich shot timer on the market. Connected via Bluetooth to a tablet on the firing line to simplify recording times and sharing them with your students. Range Tech also features Bluetooth integration with Practice Score and built-in auto scoring based on USPSA, IDPA, multi-gun, or steel challenge scoring schemes. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Today, we are joined by Charlie Cook from Riding Shotgun with Charlie YouTube channel. Welcome, Charlie. How are things going for you today? Uh, things are going great, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate you making time uh, today because uh, I've watched several of your uh, episodes on your YouTube channel, and uh, they are very entertaining, to say the least, and educational at the same time. So I appreciate you making time here. Thank you very much, man. I'm, I'm honored to have people watch the show. Uh, well, hey, for those listeners, maybe a few listeners that don't haven't watched Riding Shotgun with Charlie, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background and uh, what got you into firearm training? Absolutely. So I was, uh, I grew up as a, a gun agnostic is like what I like to call it. I, I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. It seemed a little dangerous. And I spent uh, the first 25 years of my life, 30 years of my life wanting to be a musician. So uh, it, hunting wasn't anything that, that I was ever, ever interested in doing. But I eventually became, um, I've been a music teacher and a musician for a long time. And after I got married, um, I, had, I had a child and, and I realized uh, after September 11th that we live in a dangerous world. And I have this little person that I have to protect and this little person's my responsibility. And in order for me to be able to protect him, I have to be able to protect myself. And this is when I, I said, I think I want to get a gun license. I, I sat in a, a, a classroom, sat in the teacher's room one day at school, and all of the teachers, um, this is after September 11th, and the, the principal said, if anyone comes in the school that's not supposed to be here, he would get on the intercom, he would say the eagle has landed, and everybody should hide under the desks. And I said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm in a little, I'm in a different building, and as the band teacher, I don't have desks, so, so this seems a little crazy for me. So I sat in the teacher, I sat in the teacher's room and I, I wasn't, I was apolitical. Like I, I was just learning about politics and figuring out if I would lean to the left or lean to the right. And I said, uh, I said to this room full of Democrat teachers, I said, if all the teachers on the first floor had a gun, they could shoot the bad guy and the teachers on the second floor can keep on teaching and we'll need half the grief counseling and half all, all that stuff. And, and they looked at me and they're like, that's a little crazy. And I said, I don't, I don't think so. So we had a school vacation coming up. I'm like, I'm going to go get a gun license and I'm going to show them what this is about. And lo and behold, I started the process in February and I had a gun license in June. I think it was. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, I, I, I was, you know, into it casually. I, I joined a shooting range. Um, I, I actually had my gun license for probably a year before I had a gun. I, I had a, 
Um, I had a couple guns that I inherited from my father, a couple shotguns. They were my father's, my grandfather's, and a couple handguns. And I, I drove out to the Midwest, and I drove back to Massachusetts with them, not knowing or necessarily caring what the laws are, not more of not knowing what they were. But um, had a gun license, kept everything locked and secured. I, I started, uh, after a couple of years, I started to help with the bowling pin shoots, and that I became a range safety officer for that. And then I would help the, uh, the state's pro-gun group, which is the Gun Owners Action League. I would help them with their firearm safety education days, where they would teach people how to shoot. And I would you know, I'd help be one of the guys that helped do the, um, uh, the handgun stations. So after a while, the director of education said to me, he says, listen, you're already a teacher and you're getting into gun stuff. Why don't you become a gun instructor? I said, well, what do I have to do? And he says, you know, we've got a class coming up. You can get certified through the NRA, get certified through the Massachusetts State Police, and you can teach classes so people can get their gun license. I'm like, cool. So I did that. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do now. So so I, <laughs> I I got some business cards. I started to call myself personal shooting instruction. I got some business cards and I said, well, there we go. I, I'm now a gun instructor. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a couple students here and there. Um, it was, you know, somebody that I knew or the neighbors or whatever. And then um, at one point I um, needed some extra money like everyone else does. And I went to a shooting school that's um, about, about a 45 minutes, half hour, half hour, 45 minutes outside of Boston. And I said, hey, are you guys looking for instructors? And they said, sure. So they, they hired me as an instructor. And I just started, I started teaching classes for these guys. And I, we would do the four hour uh, basic firearm safety course. So someone can get their license to carry in Massachusetts or their FID card, depending on their age. And um, at, at one point I would, I would do a class with 20 people and everybody paid a hundred bucks and, and everyone's faces started to look like Benjamin Franklin. So I'm like, I'm bringing in, hmm, I'm bringing in less than two of these Benjamin Franklins home with me. And I'm bringing 18 of them in for the boss. How can I get 18 Benjamin Franklins to come home with me? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when I, I had a friend of mine say, you should start your own business and, and find someplace closer. So I started, I got a, you know, I started a Facebook page and got a website and started teaching people closer to me. And I'd go to the police stations and I'd, I'd um, give, them a, give them a little little stack of cards and a couple of flyers about how to get in touch with me and how people can find me. And just, it just kind of built from there, which, is, which has been really cool. Um, and then, you know, going from teaching the home firearm safety and the basic pistol class led to teaching, um, getting, well, not necessarily teaching, but getting certified through for the um, uh, NRA basic rifle, basic shotgun, the personal protection inside the home for the refuse to be a victim. Uh, I went out to Salt Lake City. I got certified to teach the Utah class and I got certified to teach the pepper spray class. So that's, that's kind of what I kind of what I keep my stuff self-focused on and, and get in and teach classes doing that. Well, that's good. And, uh, yeah. and I think a lot of the reason, a lot of the problems you ran into is one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because a lot of people do get certified as an instructor. And if they're not associated with a club or with a, a gun store, they're kind of stuck with saying, okay, what do I do now? And you know, hmm. marketing as well as, uh, you know, additional training, all that. Um, so if you would have found a, if we would have been there, 10 years ago for you, you might, you might be able to uh, cut that, uh, uh, education, uh, curve a little bit, uh, closer <laughs> to be able to bring the more of the Benjamin Franklin's home. So that's, that is, that is a neat story there. Wait, well, hey, uh, for, uh, for the topic today, 
what's required you're talking about about the um a license carry and firearm identification card what what is required in the state of massachusetts in order to go along and um purchase and or carry a gun all right well a, up until about four or five years ago this is completely ridiculous we had three and a half different types of gun licenses <laughs> three and a half okay three and a half bear with me the half a license is the licensed, it was a, an, a firearms ID card or an FID restricted, which was only for mace or pepper spray. So we were, we were the only state where you had to have a permit in order to carry a spice. A non-lethal weapon yes. on top of that. Okay. You got it. Put that in the, context. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it, it had an ammunition, you know, there was a, an ammunition component to make the pepper spray come out. So you had to have an FID card for that. Um, and we, we eventually got rid of that. I think it was about 2014, 2015. We had, we had a governor, an anti-gun governor did get rid of it. So, uh, so that's, that's good. Um, we have the next one we have is the FID card, the firearms identification card. And that allows you to have non-large capacity rifles and shotguns. So you can have a pump action, a shotgun, a hinge action, a lever action, a bolt action. You can have a semi-auto rifle but it has to have a magazine that holds less than 10 rounds. So you can have a 10 22, but you can't have an AR 15. Uh, it's almost like a hunting license. In other words, Bill, um, allow you to go hunting. Uno momento. We have a different license for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the FID card was more, I mean, right to your point, the FID card was more for, for people that are 15 to 20 year old, 20 years old to get, uh, to get a gun license. So they could go hunting. Um, you can get an, and the FID card at fifth, from 15 to 17 with your parents' permission, from 18 to 20 without your parents' permission. Um, then the other license we have, we had this, we no longer have it. It was the license to carry class B. And it allowed you to have large capacity rifles and shotguns and non-large capacity handguns. So if you really wanted to think about the stupidity of this license, your chief of police who okays your license uh, trusts you with an AR-15 he trusts you with a 1911. He trusts you with a 44 Magnum, but he doesn't trust you with a Glock 17 <laughs> because it comes with a high cap magazine. So the same governor that got rid of the uh, pepper spray license did get rid of that license because no one issued it because it's ridiculous. And then what we have now is just a license to carry and the license to carry allows you to have large capacity and non-large capacity rifles, shotguns, and handguns. And even within the license to carry, the, the, the chief of police is the person that can put restrictions on the license. And if the chief doesn't want someone carrying in his town because he's an anti-gun police officer, he can, uh, he can say that, you know, ask you what you want the gun license for. And if you say, I, I work out hours or I carry large sums of money or, you know, I live alone or something, something, something like that, they can, they can say it's for employment or they could say it's for hunting or uh, they could say it's for target and sports shooting. So you can carry a gun back and forth to the range, but you can't carry it when you go to the, when you go to the grocery store. So <laughs> I know you see a roll in your eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the ultimate, I'm going to say the ultimate license in air quotes when I say this, the ultimate one is the license to carry with no restrictions. And the license to carry with no restrictions means you can carry, an, uh, you can carry a loaded firearm on your body concealed so that um, uh, when you go about your business. We do have open carry in Massachusetts, but no one does it because everybody freaks out. But um, it's it's funny to me to hear people say, well, Massachusetts is an open carry state. Sure. Sure. It's an open carry state. You know, and uh, on paper, yes. In practicality, not so much. 
Yeah, most of the most of the states that I'm aware of uh, around the urban center, you know, the, the big cities, it doesn't work out very well. Um, you'll see it in rural areas. Um, I've been in Burger Kings in eastern Kentucky before, which is uh, fairly rural, and yeah, multiple people coming in there open carrying, and but that's nowhere near a big city, and nobody blinked an eye about it, and everybody just went on about things. Yeah, but not not in the urban core of a big city. It uh, gets uh, way too many people excited. To say the least. Oh my gosh! Absolutely, definitely. Wait, talked about what it takes to get a license. What is the renewal term for them? Uh, so, uh, the license right now is uh, it's a hundred dollars, and the um, uh, it's valid for six years, and then you renew it. It's another hundred bucks. So it's I, I am going to say this. I, I I hate saying this in, in formats because everyone wants to argue about it. Um, as much as Massachusetts is an anti-gun state it's pretty easy to get a gun license. You, you can sit through the home firearm safety course. The home firearm safety course does meet the requirements for the license to carry. Um, sit through a four hour class, non-life firing. It's rifles, shotguns, and handguns. Oh my. You go down to the police station, you know, get the application, go in for an interview, take the, your certificate. Uh, they fingerprint you, they photograph you. They, um, I, I say they want to find out why you want to get a gun. And I always tell people, don't tell them that you want to shoot zombies. Don't tell them you want to shoot clowns and don't tell them you want to overthrow the government, but have a gun for all of those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And you can, you cannot do any, you, you can not do live fire and get a license to carry with, no, uh, with no restrictions on it and never having, fi uh, never fired a gun before. So, and when I talk to my friends from free America and they're like, well, that's crazy. I know it's crazy, but uh, don't tell our attorney general because we do have politicians that we had a politician. Um, I think he's trying to do it now. Five. He wants five hours of live firing with 50 rounds of ammo. Yeah. So I always tell Whoa. people, I'm like, <laughs> so after we're out of that ammo, we can watch Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would, that, that, I mean, it's, it's 10 rounds an, an hour. So you're going to go along and do a whole lot of, uh, explanation and practice beforehand before, okay, now fire, fire 10 rounds and then we'll start the next hour worth of it or turn exactly. on Titanic. Exactly. Like, oh my God, you could watch the whole Lord of the Ring series. You know, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of those things I know when we've, uh, we've had people talking about constitutional carry states to where there is no education at all requirement. And those are one of the things to where we've, you've really got to, as an instructor, figure out how to, um, how to how position, to your, yourself, how, yeah. Yeah, how to position and market yourself. Because a lot of times, I mean, people are like, Hey, it's my constitutional right. Well, right where I am in Cincinnati here, I can be in Indiana in 15 minutes and Kentucky in 15 minutes. And as I go along and tell people, if you get on the wrong, if you get on the wrong exit on 70 or entrance ramp to 75 in Kentucky, you could end up in Ohio in a, in a heartbeat. And guess oh, what? Yeah. Ohio, we don't recognize constitutional carry. And, you know, that's one of those things where um, you know, people need to be realistic about it. And the education part of it isn't a bad thing either, you know, to remind everybody. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm all for people. I, I'm all for have you have what you want to have. I'm going to have what I want to have. I'm not going to bother you. You're not going to bother me. But if you're going to have one, you should know how to use it. You should know when you should use it. You should be able to hit your intended target. Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to shoot an innocent bystander and then you become the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that's really neat about the Kentucky uh, concealed carry license, it's a concealed carry dangerous weapon. 
So you not only can carry a pistol, you can carry your, your rifle, your shotgun, your uh, grenades, all that underneath your coat with no, with no problems at all. Nice. <laughs> the only state, or, uh, the only state around uh, that I know that covers all those, um, all those different weapons. So it's nice. uh, it is one of the, one another reason to uh, get your license in Kentucky. It doesn't work outside of Kentucky. Uh, footnote there, but it still is uh, pretty cool to be able to do all that kind of stuff. That's for cool. Um, how do you go along and, uh, do you, now, since you've gone, gone away from, or gotten more established as a fire instructor, how do you still rely on the, uh, chief of police or the uh, police stations to hand out your cards or how do you, how do you market that now? Um, I don't, I, I have, um, I, in the, the years that I've been teaching, I've only ran two Facebook ads and they've never been successful. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, well, Facebook's anti-gun. Why would I give them money? So what I do is uh, I had my mentor uh, tell me that I need to collect people's email addresses and build up my email list. So I spend more money than I'd like to admit with the um, with constant contact, and I send out two or maybe three emails a month. And um, I, I collect everyone's name, uh, you know, the, all their all their contact info, and I add it into a database. And I do it for for my tax purposes as well, so I can I can have everyone's information. And if somebody says, "Hey, I did a class in." Um, you know, of March of 2016. I don't remember what the date was. I can go through, I can dig it up and I can print a new certificate for them if I need to. So I, I keep track of everyone's information. I add them to my email database and I send out emails a couple times a month. Um, so that's one way. I, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I do is through referrals. I mean, people took a class with me and then they, they go tell their friend that they took a class and then that person wants to have a class and um, you know, can, can I do a half a dozen people in the house uh, yeah, absolutely. You gotta have my. I take the the Mary Kay or the Tupperware or Shackley approach to this, or what's the Leah Sophia, the jewelry stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, my attitude is this: I, you know, there's this is what I charge for, per person for a class. If you get a half a dozen people, you host the class at your house. You get the class for free. It's a win-win-win. You get your license for nothing. I get a nice little payday, and everyone else gets their gun license as well. They don't have to travel to me. I bring it to you. I plug my laptop right into the. Um, to your TV, and I, I bring all the tools. Obviously, I bring dummy ammo with all my guns, and and um, lo- have everyone load and unload, and go go right through my stuff, go right through the class. What do you do for, when it comes to live fire? Uh, or do you have many live fire ranges around you that you can use? The the clubs in Massachusetts are mostly private clubs, so I belong to one club that is a whopping fifty bucks a year for membership, and it's um it's a cinder block building with um indoor plumbing and a bar and a pool room, which I hardly ever go into. I mean, I go in to pay my dues and then I leave, you know, and uh, they have an outdoor range and they have people signed. You have to sign guests in. Um, they can't, some rocket surgeon was shooting clays with handguns a couple years ago and, and uh, a 45 caliber bullet ended up in someone's air condition. So they no longer let you shoot um, flying targets. So you can't, you can't go down and uh, practice your, your trap or skeet shooting. Um, and then I belong to another club that has a hundred yard range. Uh, they've got a couple of uh, pistol ranges and then they have an indoor range that's 50 feet and um, that the indoor range is open 24 seven. So I always tell people, I say, listen, once you get your gun, you know, you get your gun license, it's going to be a couple months from, we can sit here and do all this stuff all day long. You can have it. You walk home, you get your license two months later, three months later, when you get your permit, you're going to want to do all this stuff again. So contact me again. You're going to want to know how to take your gun apart. You're going to want to know how to shoot it, how to hold it, how to handle it. And we can, we can go through that again in a few months. Once you, once you get your own gun. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. 
And I guess, uh, well, I know I'm fortunate to be in Ohio because we've got a lot of outdoor ranges, a lot of uh, indoor ranges too. Um, probably I'd say 50, 50 between indoor, between private clubs and actually, you know, places that are open to the public. Yeah. Yeah. Every place out here, uh, except for, I'm going to say like maybe three or four ranges, they're all private ranges. So you have to be a member memberships, sometimes more than others. You know, sometimes they have work parties where you have to go clean up stuff. Um, if you don't do that, then you pay a little bit more. I mean, it's not, it's not the end of the world, but, uh, the, the club that I like the, the um, the club I like is, is the, I just paid the dues. It's 166 bucks for the year. And if I did, went to the work parties, they, I could bring it down to a hundred bucks a year. Mm-hmm. So a hundred bucks a year for 24 hour access into a range. And you can't beat that. Yeah. That's, uh, that beats, uh, what I see around me at $20 an hour to be able to, to be on the range. Yep. Yeah. But you get there, you do it, you shoot, and you can walk away without having to worry about picking up brass or targets or anything else like that. Sometimes that's worth the price of admission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, especially when you're bringing students, you want things to run smoothly and not have to, you know, wait for the other other guys that are on the range in front of you to get done before you can start start oh, yeah. doing your lesson and such. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, fortunate for. It. Well, hey, Charlie, we got a question for you that we've been asking all our guests this year. Do you name a influential instructor or a book that you would recommend uh, to other instructors that, you know, whether they're beginning instructors or experienced instructors, they might want to go out and read or take a, take a class from. So I am, I'm a, I'm a library geek. Um, I like going to the library. I found a book. I like reading the old books and I found Jeff Cooper's the complete book of modern handgunning. And if you find a copy of this, you need to buy it because it's no longer modern. <laughs> uh, he did this book in the early 1960s and there's, there's stuff about the guns of the time and stuff about the ammunition and the, the 357 was relatively new and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But there is a section on there that he talks about training. And he says, if you spend 10 minutes a day, dry firing. And this is, this is the crazy stuff. He talks about dry firing at the light switch. So um, if you dry fire for 10 minutes and then one hour a week, you go out and do live fire and you shoot at a three inch target and you put it at seven feet. And the, the objective is to get all the shots in the target uh, in that three inch circle and then move it back to 10 feet and then 12 feet and 15 and, and all the way up to 50 feet. And he talks about, use, um, I mean, he's, you know, it's Jeff Cooper. He's talking about using a 45 and, and shooting one-handed or doing the isosceles. But um, he says, if you do this for six months, if you do it religiously for six months, six days, you dry fire, one day you go out and, and spend an hour. Uh, no plinking, no fooling around, no nothing. Just focusing on the front sight and, uh, front sight and trigger squeeze at the three-inch circle. You do that for six months. He said, you'll shoot better than 90% of the people at the shooting range. And of course, when I got into shooting, I was like, ah, this is an old book. What does Jeff Cooper know? You know, I don't have time for this crap. So six years into shooting, I was like, so when am I going to put that six months in? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I checked this book out of the library uh, probably three times. And then the library that it was in, the book disappeared. And I was beyond upset. So I ended up finding a book, uh, finding a copy of the book on some website and I ordered it. And, um, that, that's the book that I, I absolutely love. I, I think that's a great book. It's, it's, yes, it's old. Yes, it's dated, 
but it has the fundamentals. You can, you can change the stance from, uh, from the weaver to isosceles, but you know what? Put, put in all of your shots in a three inch target at seven feet and then at 10 feet and then 15 feet and 25 feet. And to me, that's, that's, you can add all the other stuff, the tactical reloads and one handed reloading. Cool. Can you still put them in a target at three, at three inch circle at, at 25 feet? And maybe if you can put it in a three inch circle at uh, 20 feet, maybe you won't have to do as many reloads. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I believe, uh, Dave Spalding in episode 44, that was one of the books he uh, talked about. Cause he, we were talking about the books he suggested and yeah. he was going along and, you know, he read some of the books from the thirties and he says, even though the, you know, they were using revolvers and we're mainly using semi-automatic striker fires now. Um, guess what? Gunfight is a gunfight. You know, it's, it's all who can put the bullets down, down range as quickly and as accurately uh first because mm. they are the ones that normally win you know another another book i've, I've only read it a couple of times so i do have a copy of it is bill jordan's uh, no second place winner and that is that is a great book for the for mindset and it's it's funny because uh, i i remember there's a chapter where he's like you know straight up straight up he was a, a border patrol agent so everything was strong side hip and and all that sort of stuff and he's like you know people are want to carry a gun Mexican style and why would you want to carry a gun inside your pants? And yeah, what, how do we carry now inside the waistband, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's still, it's still really cool to see how these guys used to think back in those days, you know, and I, to me, to me, it's, um, it's, it's, go, it's unearthing all the old, old school stuff and saying, okay, how did this, how did this apply to, you know, how did the Jeff, Co like in my mind, we have, we have the guys that like Jeff Cooper and the next guy after Jeff Cooper was Masada Yub. And then after Masada, you, you know, it's, it's, it's taken off from there, you know, yep, because the mentally, everything's the same. The equipment might have changed a little bit, but mentally you've got to still be able to recognize, recognize the threat, threat and then, you know, make, make appropriate uh, reaction to it. You know, whether yeah. that's, you know, getting the hell out of Dodge or uh, going along and, uh, you know, finding yourself uh, a cover or a barrier to get behind. Mm, absolutely. So. That's great. Hey, uh, Charlie, where can, uh, people find out more information about you and your YouTube channel? All right. So I feel like a little bit of a junkie cause I, I only have two websites. Um, so personal shooting instruction is where I keep my shooting instruction business. And I honestly, I don't really have much on there. I got a couple of pages, a couple of pictures and my contact information, um, writing shotguns. It's my interview show that I've been doing for quite a while. And um, if people look up writingshotgunwithcharlie.com, they can find all my videos there. I've got a Facebook page for Writing Shotgun with Charlie. I've got a YouTube channel. I'm on GunStreamer. I'm on the Ops Lens app. And if, um, if you just want to listen to the show, you can check uh, out Writing Shotgun with Charlie on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on iHeartRadio. And I want to say there's a couple of other places that pick it up and take it, do whatever they do with it. So, so you're out there in a few different places, huh? I'm out there. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm telling everyone, I'm just trying to keep up with everybody else. That's all. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't quite gotten to the point of uh, wanting to put my uh, face on uh, YouTube, but uh, I'm sure that's probably going to come, come around eventually just because it's, it's inevitable. It seems it's, like everybody, everybody's using YouTube or Instagram, uh, Facebook live, those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, this, this never came up. I actually make videos playing the trumpet and shooting a gun at the same time as well. And, um, I call these gun gram videos and I got about 250 of these on YouTube. They've been watched 20 million times all over the world. <laughs> so, hey, it's all about the it's, views, right? It's, it's, 
it's about finding your thing. And I think that was my thing, which is really cool. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, t- today, Charlie, and, uh, been a wealth of information about what it's like to be teaching and instructing, uh, students in Massachusetts. Well, Rob, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate this. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. And we have a few requests for our loyal listeners. First, check out our website and search our over 100 episodes that are out there. Uh, You can listen to Dave Spaulding's episodes. You can listen to lots of different episodes to go along and make you a better instructor marketing wise, better instructor from a training perspective, or just somebody who likes to listen to podcasts. We appreciate y'all check out the other concealedcarry.com podcasts. Share this episode on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and encourage others to listen and subscribe. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions, or guests to have on or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Uh, Ariel emailed me and asked me to have an instructor on from Massachusetts, and look what happened. A week later, we've got Charlie on from Massachusetts, so we do, we do uh, respond and uh, aim to please everyone. Remember to visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off a of checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.